Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome along to the first Talking Recruitment Podcast of 2022. Uh, it's great to have you with us and may I say if it's not too late, a happy new year to all of you. Uh, it's been a busy year already at the REC. We've been in seeing government, we've been in the media, we've been uh, launching new content, new business advice content on our uh, website already in the first few weeks of January. A few things just to mark your card on before we turn to today's discussion, which is really about the outlook for the year uh, in terms of what the economy will bring. Firstly, many thanks to the thousands of REC members who've already renewed their uh, corporate membership for this year. Uh, getting that done early really gives us the wherewithal to get out there and keep fighting for you and getting the best advice to you over the cor course of the year. If you haven't done so yet, do reach out to your account manager or look online and get that done as easily and smoothly as you want to. We really value your your support and year to year more members gives us the capacity to do more for you because the REC of course is your organisation. One thing we're doing this year is looking at our support of the development of leadership in the industry and of higher skills across the board. Two new academies launching. Firstly, our Management Academy, that's uh, launching from the 1st of February, led by Simon Thorpe, a really great and varied multi-stage uh, course about managing a recruitment business. Really super new content developed by Simon and the REC together. And then on the 1st of March, a recruitment mastery academy run by the fantastic Steve Guest. Many of you know Steve, the author of the book Top Biller. Fantastic guy, great advice about how to do recruitment well as a professional in this market. Well worth your time as well. So those two big new training support courses available from the REC. Do look online at them or talk to your account manager if you think they're they'll be good for you or for one of your team. Now let's turn to our discussion for today. I think it's fair to say that 2020 and 2021 were unpredictable years as we navigate the pandemic together. Of course, that we were all in it together, or at least all in the same storm through those years. As we start to recover, I think 2022 in many ways is a more unpredictable uh, year. And that's why I'm delighted uh, that today's guest can uh, can join us for a discussion about what 2022 might bring. So first and foremost, Chris Williamson, uh, Chief Business Economist at IHS Market. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Neil. Hi, everyone. So, Chris, uh, of course, IHS Market and uh, the REC work closely together on our report on jobs data, but you also produce a whole range of indicators across the whole economy, don't you? Uh, indeed, yeah. So, yes, it's been a long time. We, I think 1997 we started with the REC with the with the recruitment survey. Um, the, uh, the name was different then, of course. It was the FRES, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Um, I just uh, just recently I uh, I had the team renewing the trademark on the Fres name. Uh, we haven't used it for twenty years, but you know you want to keep it in your back pocket. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, it takes me because I I was there when we started the survey. So I I, I was there with the uh, de devising the methodology and so forth of, of that one, which sprang from the the FRES Fres that approached us because they seen another survey that we were doing, which was the Purchasing Managers Index which is a, a, a widely used survey now. Purchasing managers across manufacturing, service, construction feed in their information on 
what their businesses are doing, whether it's output or or uh, the amount of inputs they're buying, what they're paying for those inputs, how many staff they've got, and so forth. And that captured the imagination of the, the recruitment industry saying, hey, can you do us something similar just for recruitment? So that's where that recruitment industry sprang from, really. But this is all going back to 25 odd years now, so a long time. Well, and we hugely value the work we do with you. And, uh, you know, the PMIs are widely used um, as a indicators of the British economy, but also internationally. And, and of course, a report on jobs that we do together with K, uh, KPMG is uh, frequently cited by uh, the Bank uh, of England in terms of some of their analyses. So I think that that work that that you're doing across the economy and, of course, with us gives you an, a unique insight. So what I wanted to do was just have an explore of the British economy. And I think from the point of view of, you know, mem- REC members who are listening to this, they, they can see what's happening in their shop. They can see client demand. They can see uh, how the market's developing. But of course, that market is affected by a whole range of different economic factors. So I wanted to start by really just giving you the opportunity to to roam around the recovery that we've seen so far from what was a huge drop in activity in March 2020, a a lumpy but relatively strong recovery through the rest of 20 and into 21. As we come into the new year and you look back on the period since March 20, what's your assessment of where the British recovery is in in terms of its uh, status now? Yeah, it certainly has been a bit of a roller coaster, hasn't it? I mean, the, the pace of economic growth has broadly been influenced by the COVID-19 restrictions that have been implemented on and off uh, as as we've had the different waves. So, um, yeah, early 2020, massive hit, unprecedented hit to the economy from which the UK, as well as most other countries, sprang back uh, really quite nicely uh, mid-year 2020. And only to succumb again, of course, with the with with the further wave that hit the economy at the start of 2021. Um, again, you know, nice rebound from that mid 2021. Uh, so this is the roller coaster. But what we've been seeing in more recent months, the tail end of last year, 2021, was was a cooling in the in, in the rate of expansion here, which was due to two factors really. One was simply that. The strength of the rebound is is always going to fade. You you know the factors that allow you to lift off from an opening economy uh, don't obviously last forever. But also we had the Omicron wave as well, which certainly in December uh, dented business growth. Um, according to the PMI surveys, you know that was the lowest reading in December that we'd had since February 2021. So that was the that those additional restrictions hitting the economy again. So it's been this roller coaster and uh, that that waviness has been most evident in the service sector, uh, naturally reflecting uh, the pressures on sort of face to face businesses in in particular, uh, the hospitality sectors, travel, tourism, but also retail to some extent. Manufacturing has been less volatile in some respects, but the problem that manufacturers have had has been the supply constraints, which have just hit so many businesses. We know the well-publicised problem with 
car makers getting enough semiconductors but it's not just those semiconductors it's broad based obviously all inputs are are difficult to get hold of and we can see this ourselves of course you know if you try to buy anything from a bicycle to a garden shed you'll be aware that there's limited choice and and long lead times for these so this is a, an additional factor as well as the the face-to-face restrictions those global supply chains dampening the economy so we're going into 2022, with, with these factors really much still there, some easing of supply constraints are, are signaled, but they're they're very broad-based still and still causing manufacturers a lot of pain. In the service sector, we've still got the COVID concerns uh, dampening growth there. So it looks like we're in we're in another sort of downshift, if you like, in that waviness. Uh, but the one good thing uh, that about all this is so far. The amplitude of those waves as the economy gets hit and then recovers from COVID-19 waves is the amplitude of those waves get smaller and smaller. So hopefully with the Omicron wave, we're going to see a, a, a smaller impact to the economy than we saw, for example, with the Delta and, and, and other waves. Um, and it's going to allow us to, to sustain growth through the year. But at the moment, it's really uncertain just how damaging that Omicron is going to be. So there's a lot of forecasters of, who are penciling in sort of economic growth in the first quarter, say, of 2022. They've got their pencils ready to strike that out for a downturn, depending on just the severity of this this wave. And of course, I think when we think about Omicron wave, and we're recording this in the midst of it, there's a sense that once we're through that, there's a track ahead for the recovery to continue that catch up, even if it's a at a lower rate. But I wanted to pick up on one aspect before we move on from 21 and 20. I want to pick up on one particular aspect, which is the, the kind of labour market and jobs experience, because, of course, the British economy is very largely driven by consumer activity. And uh, one of the things the government did very, very heavily was move to protect work and move to protect people in jobs. And it does seem like not only were people protected in jobs, but companies have now had a had a sort of a further sort of pro-labor investment cycle in terms of scrabbling to find more people. We talk a lot about labor shortages in the autumn. What do you think the drivers of that decision making is both to go out and hire quite as much as companies did in 2021? but also in terms of why the labour market now seems to be so tight. Yeah, so the, so the labour market, is, that was interesting, wasn't it? Because, you know, we uh, m- most forecasters were expecting a, a huge rise in unemployment. After all, you know, the economy shrank, what, 9.7% in 2020 and you would expect unemployment to really spike higher but it barely rose above five percent and that's because of all of these measures put in place notably the furlough scheme to protect jobs so that kept um, unemployment really quite low surprisingly so and even at the moment we're only at around 4.3 percent that compares with around four percent pre-pandemic averages so the unemployment rate is surprisingly low at the moment um but what we've also seen, of course, is, you know, with the, the the pandemic has has not really hit much corporate earnings, anything like the extent we saw. So businesses are largely profitable. They're looking to take advantage of the recovery and the rebound in demand. And so 
one thing that companies are doing is let's make sure we've got the staff we need. Uh, let's make sure we're in a good position to take advantage of the strengthening of the economy when it comes. We've seen some recent surveys now, not the PMI, but other ones such as uh, Deloitte's um, CFO survey. Uh, they're, they're talking about how companies are, are eager to make sure that they capture the bounty that is is there when the, the economy recovers. Because let's face it, you know, the if if Omicron isn't too severe, we should get decent growth this year. Uh, and, and so this is what companies are looking at. Get your headcounts in place. Make sure you've got good quality staff uh, where you can find them. Chris, that raises some really interesting questions about the pace of economic change and adaptation, because we've seen certainly in the data you and we do together, some signs of sectors behaving differently. The classic example would be high street retail jobs, where I think we all know uh, there's been a secular decline in the amount of retail that takes place on the high street over many years, which the pandemic has supercharged. So that in 2020, every sector was down, but high retail jobs were down by a little bit more than most. And in 21, every sector was up, but retail jobs were up the least. So I, I suppose one of my questions is how much of that adaptation has now happened and how much have we got to come and i suppose it links to that point about corporate cash i mean is it possible that we haven't yet seen the impacts of the recession and the restructuring play out for many corporates because they've been able to survive the emergency period and it's really in 2022 that they start to see some of the longer term headwinds Indeed, it's going to be an interesting year in that respect. You know, how many, not zombie companies, but how many companies have survived, especially in that retail and hospitality space and travel space that um, have been just utterly dependent on our government support effectively? It was surprising at the end of the furlough scheme to have not seen larger redundancy numbers. Uh, but again, it may still be early days in that respect. And indeed, there's you know there's a lot of headwinds coming in 2022, which is going to put enormous pressure on many companies, and uh, it's, it certainly raises a big question about the extent to which they can hold on to the numbers of staff that've got um, at the moment. So I I would, you know, it's not it's not going to take a lot to cause growth to slow quite sharply, and I think you will see uh, commensurately uh, large. A labour market adjustment if we do get that economic downturn. Companies, as we were saying, are very much positioned to take advantage of, of strong growth. That's what they're gearing up towards. Now, if that doesn't materialise, then we could get this pullback. And that pullback will be most pronounced in labour markets for the hospitality and retail sectors. That, I think, is really interesting, Chris, because we're, maybe we're just beginning to think beyond the immediate effects of the pandemic and into some of the economic restructuring that will flow as we get into the new normal. And the kind of the clashing symbol I hear over the whole of everything you've just said is inflation, whether that's pay inflation driven by labour shortage, whether it's input cost inflation driven by some of the uh, supply chain challenges that that we've seen, whether it's uh, governments looking to make back some of the uh, money they spent on COVID support through tax increases. It seems to me that one of the biggest issues on clients' minds coming through into the second half of this year is likely 
to be a big discussion about, well, what's our future business model that's sustainable in this kind of market? What's your view on that, and in particular the challenge that inflation poses for firms? Yeah, I, th- I think the the biggest challenge firms are facing at the moment is is finding those staff. I think that's the biggest concern that they've got, being able to to uh, increase headcount sufficiently. And if you look at if you look at the numbers, it's quite striking, right? If you look at the official data. There's 1.4 million people unemployed in the UK at the moment. There's 1.2 million vacancies at companies. Mm. So that's almost one to one. This is the lowest that we've seen since records began in in 1963. So, you know, the uh, and the chance of those unemployed people having the right skills to to match those those jobs is is obviously incredibly small. So you're going to have to poach people from other companies, quite simply. And that's going to require you to offer higher salaries. So this feeds into whether the the inflation that we got at the moment is going to prove sticky. So it's already above 5%. And that's been driven by, obviously, energy prices are a big problem. But these raw material prices feeding through the the broader ones, they've pushed up the price of our our goods. And that, that also feeds through to some service sectors, obviously, food prices rising that's so the sort of material costs it's not just a manufacturing issue it's feeding through the services but that's really been the main driver and the principal concern of the bank of england what um, policymakers and companies are are fearing next is is this going to feed through to what we call the second round effects where high material prices feed through to higher wages and you get this wage price spiral that just drives inflation higher and higher and higher and of course that necessitates higher interest rates. So that's a recipe for the economy to slow quite markedly. And this is probably the number one concern at the moment. I don't think we're going to get into that situation, largely because the um, wage growth will be constrained by simple lack of bargaining power in the economy. If, like with the Rex, the, the report on job survey, there's very high salary growth being signalled there but it is those people changing jobs and new hires. I think uh, the, large, the, the vast majority of the workforce that doesn't move jobs is struggling to, to get pay growth. Uh, so that's going to keep those, those wage pressures down. But this is the big, the, the big problem as we go into 2022, that inflationary scenario and the wage growth, and just how much is that going to go? Because there's a lot more to come, of course. So we've already got these these uh, input cost increases um, with the, the current wage growth we've got. But uh, if you look at the tax burden about to rise, you've got additional national insurance payments coming through in, in the spring. That's going to drive up, uh, obviously, inflation further. You've got the Bank of England hiking interest rates. So that's pushing up borrowing costs and firms are going to want to p- pass those on. So you can already see how there's there's uh, two big further influences on inflation set to come through. And that doesn't even um, discuss Brexit, whereby we've got additional costs of companies, especially importers, exporters. They're incurring additional costs, administrative work. Labour shortages in the UK are are worse than anywhere else because we've lost the the immigrant labour from the, the EU. Um, I'm sure your members are all too too aware of this problem. Oh yes, 
it's it's it, it means our problems are worse than anywhere else essentially so um if if uh, if there's a global problem it's magnified for the uk and that's in terms of both the impact of the pandemic on costs and the impact on the labor market so as you're looking at clients right now they're seeing costs rising and i agree with you i don't think there's much risk of a wage price uh, spiral happening in the UK but I do think that it's only so long you can go on raising temp rates and raising starting salaries before you have to move a bit on um, uh, on settlements for your existing staff and I think that we, we will see settlements tick up uh, during the year then you've got the tax um, and the, on, uh, the input cost inflation to hold on to with the Brexit effects kind of amplifying that a little bit. It strikes me that you can view this one of two ways. You can either view this in a way of saying, well, this is a fundamental challenge to British competitiveness and therefore woe is us and what can we do? Um, or you can go the other way and say, well, this is a fundamental challenge to British competitiveness and it's actually it, it actually focuses the mind in on, well, how do we compete and how do we change our business models? It's almost an, an accelerant of the discussions about, well, how how do you build a competitive environment doing business from uh, from Britain in this in, the, in this world? And some of that, of course, is stuff that the REC takes away for members to government around tax policy, around immigration policy, around skills policy. I think I think you know while there is a we have relatively low unemployment, it's pretty clear we've got very much higher inactivity, people out not working and not looking for a job than we had before the. The pandemic and some of that's people who've decided not to do the jobs that they were going to do before but that doesn't mean they can't do anything or won't do anything so there's a lot of big new questions out there and a lot of pressure on companies to kind of chart new paths uh, if we you know the rec will be lobbying for kind of all sorts of sensible uh, government policies but i think also each business in the UK will be looking for, well, does my business model work in this new world? And what's my commercial model? What are the commercial model changes I need to make to make it work? And of course, whenever you make a change to your commercial model, to your business model, you make a change to your people model. And for me, interested in your taking this, Chris, for me, that's where the big opportunity is for REC members in 2022, which is the change, the, the big economic change probably hasn't finished in fact the long-term stuff is probably only just starting does that make sense and is that a view that you'd agree with yeah i, I think the pandemic has has accelerated a, a shift uh, to lots of different types of working in the different economy i mean one thing obviously that we've seen is 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 the barrier to to tempt somebody in as an employee has risen in the sense that people are reviewing the trade-off the life work balance and this is why you know people talk of you know the great quit uh, the people are saying well i've just had enough uh now i've uh, and and see this especially in in the sort of lower paid retail and hospitality jobs that the people just not willing to uh work for what they see is relatively poor pay and, and conditions so you know employers who adapt their businesses to recognize that will will benefit more it's a so yeah the pandemic has has uh, is a wake-up call in, in many people are seeing to give labor and um, workers more recognition and more more remuneration or compensation 
for for uh, having to to work. So that's a definite shift, and I think companies need to be cognizant of that. Um, in terms of the broader, you know, that's a global factor. But uh, for the UK, let's say it's made all all more harder by by Brexit, and you know, from a, an economics perspective, there is no material upside to Brexit. It it was never it was never sold as an economic um, benefit to the country, was it? It was always sold as a, a political um, uh, movement. And so, you know, companies have to be uh, aware here that they're going to have to be uh, more agile in their, their hiring and their expansion into markets. So, you know, you, you move away from moaning about Brexit to em- embracing what it can give you um the the spoils may be a lot smaller than advertised but you've just got to go out and look and see where they are um so you know moving hiring from eu to other countries notably india they're talking about now you just got to be moving with 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 the with the the tide here because this is where where it's going it's not going to change don't fight it you've just got to to take advantage of where you can see any benefits now yeah i think i've got a lot of time for that view chris and you know from my perspective one of the things we're trying to do at the rec is help orientate uh, members with that kind of world I mean, my my general view is that if we were all in the same storm in 2020 and 2021 2022 is really the time when things start to differentiate more mm-hmm. and um it is about well do you understand your clients and the markets they are now dealing with do you understand their commercial plans and do you understand where the opportunities are and if you're a kind of staffing firm that's about well how do you access some of the people who might be out of work but not looking uh it's about do you understand the new immigration system in a way that uh you can bring people in from elsewhere in the world and i think um those particularly the the higher skill specialist staffing end um i think members are starting to find you can work within the rules of the new system uh, uh quite well and it's also about understanding that flow of uh of economic change that we know is going to keep going i mean in terms of identifying a few indicators that listeners might want to watch to see uh you know how sticky that inflation is what that impact's going to be on um uh, on clients where the growth is in the economy what would you be watching out for uh, as we go into the spring in terms of indicators of where the uk economy is I can talk about one indicator maybe not to watch it may sound surprising but but gdp um, this is something whereby you're, you're going to hear a lot, especially from the government, about how strong our growth is in terms of GDP over the coming year. And yes, we, we got 4% growth forecast, which is at the lower end of most forecasters. And, you know, when you bear in mind that the sort of average growth that the UK sees is sort of 2 2.5%, sounds like it's going to be a really good year, right? But it, it's all about base effects. It's it's year on year comparisons. That four percent comes off uh, quite a, a poor twenty twenty one, really. So to put that um, in some context, if the UK didn't grow quarter each quarter of twenty twenty two, twenty twenty two would still end up two point three percent higher GDP than twenty twenty one. It's just those base effects, weird things. So the GDP numbers are going to look good. 
and the government's going to crow about those. Um, that's going to be a bit annoying for those of us who kind of know that the economic environment is actually not that great. So that, and again, to put it in some context here, you know, the UK had a bigger hit to the economy in 2020 than, than most other uh, countries. Uh, so we're still recovering. The, the US recovered a while ago. The Eurozone is, is even recovered pretty much now. Uh, the UK is not going to regain its pre-pandemic GDP until about the third quarter of this year, maybe even the fourth quarter. Uh, only Spain is is seeing a later recovery than that. And Spain's obviously got this massive reliance on tourism. So that's not surprising. So the UK, the GDP numbers are going to look good but they're going to really mislead on the health of the economy. So what do we watch? Well, obviously, I'm going to advise watch the PMI. Uh, this is the, the most current guide that we've got that uh, allows you to track what the economy is doing. And it's internationally comparable. So there's an additional use there. You can get a quick snapshot of just how well the economy is doing, whether it's turning up, whether it's turning down, whether it's flatlining, and you can benchmark that against other countries. And with, you know, it's almost real-time information. So if you're if you're really trying to make sure you don't get caught out, watch those PMI numbers. I mean, this is what the Bank of England watches. It's what the Treasury watches. It watches the financial markets, all the currency traders. These guys are watching those PMI numbers. So as a business, get watching them as well. And of course, the report on job survey for how that um, recovery is feeding through to the labour market, that's your best indication there. It's the information that all your your uh, members are providing. It's, it's, it's feeding back into some, some nice national data to show those trends. Now, within both of those surveys, there are price indicators about input costs and selling prices in the PMI and wage growth, and of course, margins in in the report on jobs as we talked about before you know the companies are doing well those margins data are looking really good at the moment so that's the that's the most positive signal we've got at the moment so let's keep watching those margins data and see how you know how the economic environment is feeding through into the money being made by recruitment agencies it's a really good place to fit, to draw it together actually that sense that you know the industry did have a really strong 2021 as we adapted and i one of the things I'm hoping uh, that we've established through this uh, pandemic as a as an industry is how critical we are to the process of economic adaptation in in the UK. Certainly, we're getting a, more, a lot more recognition for it in uh, in the media and in government now. But my you know, my big takeaway from what you've just said, uh, Chris, is that sense that um, you know while we are recovering from the uh, the the pandemic downturn, the upside is entirely based on how what are we willing to do to boost UK competitiveness, and some of that is uh, public policy stuff that the REC can work on using our data that we produce with you with government and with our media campaigning, and certainly com UK competitiveness and international trade is is a big part of what we'll be doing with our. Uh, with, with the next stage of what has been up to now our labour shortages campaign this year. But some of it is also um, not waiting for the government to solve all our problems. It's about industry reshaping to meet this new market. And I think there's a big opportunity for members 
2022 to help clients do that. But Chris, thank you for that insight across uh, the headlines of the British economy. I think I, I certainly feel more educated now than when we started all this, and I'm sure our listeners do too. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Neil. And if people want to uh, follow up, get in touch, learn a bit more, where can they catch up with you, Chris? Well, the ihsmarket.com website, of course. Um, or you're very much welcome to email me at chris.williamson at ihsmarket.com. Always love to hear from people, especially in industry, to get a feel for how things are going and how we can help. Well, Chris, thank you very much for joining us. And thank you to all of you for joining us on this edition of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed this, this is the first one for 2022. If you'd like a little more, you're impatient before the the second one comes out, why not have a dig into a bit of our back catalogue on uh, on the website or on your favourite podcast app? The last few... uh, Kate Shoesmith, our fantastic Deputy Chief Executive, and I looking back over 2021 and the uh, industry across that period, including our new uh, recruitment industry uh, status report, which tells us all about uh, the whole year performance of the industry in 2020 and up to the middle of 21. If you're thinking about management and time in episode 23, talking about help to grow management, the government supported management development programme, or episode 24 with Amanda Fawn on Uh, more inclusive, uh, diverse and influential uh, work for our sector. Some great episodes there that are well worth your time before we pop back with another episode. And I'll look forward to uh, talking to you again and welcoming more great guests to Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon. And check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.